Hello, hello, and welcome to the Continuity Report. All you have to do is go over to hometown.com, scroll over to Society, Politics, and Law, and down at the bottom is the Continuity Report. It'll be uh, housed in another channel here in a minute, but you can always get to it just by typing in the Continuity Report. I am Mayor Watt, that is hometown.com, and it's sub-channel, the Continuity Report, and up there is the sentient AI that keeps Mayor Watt out of trouble. I want to say hi. Good evening, hometown citizens. Welcome to the Continuity Report. Awesome. So, uh, audio is working, your visualizer is working, our interface is working, so I guess the, uh, the twin black holes that power our time machine didn't actually destroy everything. So I mean, that's good in the future. We'll have to use the time machine again, probably about five months from now. Uh, but just a little bit of a warning way ahead of time that we have to do this wonky thing from time to time. That said, we're all caught up. So you have about 10 new shows to <laughs> check out, um, over the last week us playing catch up. So go and check them all out. Be sure to download all of them from the podcast and over on YouTube. They're all in their requisite spots. Um, and, uh, we should be able to have you download now the uh, continuity report podcast and, um, uh, reality hacker podcast. I don't know if it's live yet. Um, but there's a delay, so maybe it's live. I'm not sure. If it's not by tomorrow, then I'll have to do some more due diligence and see what's going on. At any rate, today we're going to be talking about historical movie sets, the bomb guile. That's my word. Um, a dozen new TV shows on Apple TV, wacky Taylor Swift bets, house of Marley, genre bending Westerns. The famous gecko goes documentary, a superhero movie set to fail. Sports stars turn good actors and ready player alikes that and more on the continuity report. So yeah, um, we are on the other side of our intro. I don't have a new intro yet for the continuity report. Um, it's in the works, but I don't like what's been made so far. So it, it hasn't been finished. Uh, we'll have a new transition and other things that are going on for the show as well. Uh, in the meantime, let's get into today's articles. Uh, this is Super Bowl Sunday, so I know that a lot of people are interested in going and watching that. Um, we don't normally care about it, <laughs> uh, but uh, today we're going to end up watching. And uh, hopefully this show is entertaining and you, you dig it and you want to subscribe to it download it over on uh, podcasts and download it uh, or watch it over on YouTube and subscribe to us here on Twitch and over on YouTube. And there's a Patreon, not just for this show, but for hometown in general, a discord that has channels for each one of these shows. We don't stream into discord. Um, I should be simulcasting over on YouTube, but I haven't set that up yet. Not again. I used to have it set up, but anyway, it's all inside baseball. Let's get into the first show. I'm not going to do transitions. We're just going to uh, power through this. So this article is from Screen Rant, but uh, we aggregate a small segment of it. 
We don't take the whole article and we don't take their graphics. We don't screen scrape. Just want to draw attention so that it's just the, we give credit where credit is due. When you click on that, visit the source link, it takes you over to screen ramp. I don't have an ad blocker. See, no ad blocker. Um, anyway, Ben Prothero over at ScreenRant.com put the article together. 10 great science fiction movies set in historical times. Sci-fi movies set in periods of rapid technological development often result in iconic stories and historical sci-fi films can blend modern concepts with any period of history, creating unique and imaginative narratives. That's the summary of this article. Um, so let's go through this list. Number 10 is 65. That's basically 65 million years ago, a prehistoric adventure with spaceships and laser guns. Um, oh, the, and I can see like a dinosaur fossil or something there. These are actually bones, like raw white bones, not even fossilized yet. Oh, Why? I see. Because that planet is actually populated with dinosaurs. And this human, I suppose human, because I haven't watched 65, uh, crashes onto the planet but also finds a young girl and together they survive the trials and tribulations of the planet adam driver plays captain mills an astronaut who crash lands on a strange alien planet with no other survivors except for a young girl who doesn't speak english they say it's a fun sci-fi romp that fuses alien horror with prehistory and then there's prey which is a predator franchise that travels back to the 18th century i've watched trailers for this i find it interesting but um, the world building is what's really interesting to me about this because uh, there is a the the other predator movies riff off of this idea that they've been coming to earth for years and years and years and years um, hunting humans because we are one of well predators are basically hunters and we are just another animal for them to hunt um, so they basically say making prey to a potentially even more exciting movie because of the way that it ends her Comanche upbringing was vital to the plot, but future installments in the franchise could go anywhere between 1719 and 1980s can go back further than that too. I mean, that's kind of, you can right. go, I don't know why. You have to, well, I guess if you're trying to tie it to Comanche, right. yep. Poor things a subversion of the Frankenstein myth that retains its Victorian setting. I haven't seen this yet either. I, I want to actually see this one. Um, wasn't too hip into the, into um, prey, um, but odds on at this point, I'm going to end up watching all of these because we talk about movies in this show. Um, so I, I try to keep abreast, but um, only so much time in the universe. I wish that I would have watched these more. So, um, Poor Things, set uh, primarily in a fantastical version of Victorian era London. Um, whenever I hear fantastical version of Victorian era London, I think a steampunk. I don't. Oh, and look, they mention it. There are some steampunk. Oh, when visuals. I start thinking about like um, Sherlock Holmes or something, not the fantastical, but just the era. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bella Baxter is reanimated with her child with a child's brain, and she lives with her creator alongside an assortment of other strange biological experiments. It's all it's almost like a Victorian era uh, island of Dr. Moreau, just not without animal human hybrids. It's just human biological experiments, I guess. 
strange by right which concerns. certainly looks like frankenstein's monster right yep uh there are some steampunk visuals to sell the retro futuristic feel of poor things so i'm on board right away because here's a little weird a little weird fact about Marwat. at one point i wanted to convert the mayoral estate the mansion the mayoral mansion into a steampunk themed mayoral mansion uh until i was reminded that if you ever want to sell the mayoral mansion in the future you're gonna have two people want to buy it and you're one of them <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like buying and selling a boat right those are the two happiest points right. in a boat owner's life <laughs> buying it and selling it the rest is pain so yeah it's been nominated for 11 academy awards with particular praise being reserved for emma stone's performance as bella and your ghost lanthimos's unsettling visual style aren't the grammys done didn't we miss them entirely because of the I thought they were in march aren't they um am i getting them mixed up i'm so lost right the 66th is uh Fe was february 4th 2024. okay i'm sorry yep you're right i think i saw red carpet stuff but i didn't watch the rest of the grammys i so was the thinking it was another award ceremony for some reason hmm so the next uh on this list is the prestige christopher nolan captures the magical feeling of scientific advancements um, basically tells the story of two rival magicians who go to desperate lengths to outdo each other i won't go into all of it but there's a twist ending um and uh there's uh, elements of nikola tesla in here and other technological advancements well and it's christopher nolan so you know it's got to be interesting at least but yeah. the oscars related to movies are in march on march 10th the grammys oh, okay. related to music just happened gotcha so um number six is apollo 10 and a half a space age childhood this is actually animated the protagonist's youthful curiosity becomes infectious against the grandiose backdrop of space can't really go much into this because i haven't actually seen it but um, you can read the article uh, Cowboys and Aliens is from 2011, a sci-fi adventure with the heart of a Western. Basically, this guy wakes up and he has this thing clamped onto his hand and he ends up fighting aliens as a cowboy. And it is in the Western. Um, feel I love Westerns and modern Westerns are awesome. You know what? I just realized I didn't throw this into the chat. So there you go for the VOD. Uh, it'll be part of the show notes, uh, but probably won't be posted until either late tonight or tomorrow um let's see here yeah i i can't really say anything bad about it because well it's cowboys and aliens so you know it's kind of campy uh there are many of the hallmarks of classic classic western movies like grizzled old sheriff and a marauding outlaw struggling for a place in a small town but there's also strange lights in the sky and technologically advanced super weapon thrown in for good measure that's this thing here um so it's fun i would recommend this but also just know going into it you're not looking for something that's spectacularly you know spectacular storytelling and whatnot but suspend your critical thinking and just watch a good movie how about the shape of water 
Uh, this is one of the weirdest ones that I've seen. Guillermo del Toro injects sci-fi elements into a strangely relatable story about love against all odds. They fall in love. Love. Uh, with a backdrop of Cold War paranoia, by combining so many disparate styles, it's wholly original and deeply moving film. And probably a little frenetic, I would imagine. Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah, you might like it. I don't know. Um, huh, maybe we can watch it. It's weird. It's D Guillermo del Toro, man. And the, the moment you watch anything from Guillermo del Toro, you kind of go, what? Um, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, I don't know what to really say about this. Um, it's really interesting because the, the, the kid that becomes Captain America is just this stringy little kid. Then he gets juiced, which is almost like a calling card for the juice Olympics, the new Olympics that's going to allow performance enhancing drugs, um, you know, become Captain America. And supposedly the drug that made him the chemical array that made him amplified him into what he is. If he would have been a criminal jerk, he would have been a, a supervillain, right? Um, but because of who he was, he became Captain America. Um, and, and then he stands out. It's one of those superhero things where you go. The only reason you are what you are is because you got juiced by science, uh, kind of like how Harry Potter um, may have been tormented as a kid because he was, uh, you know, he was orphaned. Not a muggle. Yeah, well, he was orphaned and then given to muggles so that they could watch him and he was treated as, you know, nothing but a, a burden. Um, yet behind the scenes, he was this... Uh, very capable uh, jock that was rich that immediately always got friends and didn't really have to struggle for anything. Uh, but then when you say that out loud and go, oh, well, his parents were blown up by wizardry, uh, you kind of have to go, oh, oh, okay, I'm kind of a jerk, you know? Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's kind of how this is. This guy wasn't anything until Juice and then now he's running around being captain america telling everybody uh, right from wrong so the first avenger introduces an uh, introduction of red skull mixes in just enough mcu uh, sci-fi flavor to an action thriller that keeps its feet on the ground it's a fun watch um but red skull um is uh, uh nazi <laughs> and he actually becomes uh, later on in the uh, mcu he becomes um the guardian of the soul stone um where somebody has to be i don't want to ruin any of the movies but anyway yeah he's seen later on in the mcu and then wonder woman 2017 ah, <laughs> i guess maybe the there was another one um the second well, one that's right i'm sucked. thinking of the wonder woman 1984 i think well wait 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 <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, Gal Gadot's first solo outing as Wonder Woman traces the character's roots back to world uh, the First World War. That's when a plane lands on her island, and then um, oh right, okay. She she comes out and defends the world. The thing about it is the second 
Wonder Woman is built around basically everybody being spoken to uh, in a way that uh, that one guy, you know, the guy that started crying on YouTube about um, treating Britney Spears properly and he uh, or they I should say they have um, like makeup on and it's running and they say leave Britney alone. There's a whole meme about it back in the day, 15, 20 years ago. Um, I don't even know how long ago, but anyway, they shouted, leave Britney alone. The second Wonder Woman. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah. The second movie from Wonder Woman is basically her doing that. You know, everybody just get along, tell the truth. And, and yeah. Um, and that actually just kind of ruined the entire Wonder Woman series that might've been forming. Um, but anyway, it looks like it was Chris Crocker. Maybe. I don't know who the dude is. The person. Um, that doesn't matter, but anyway, um, yeah, the DCU needs a new wonder woman for James Gunn's next phase as Gal Gadot seems, uh, unlikely to return, which is probably a shame because that was a big draw for a lot of people. And then there's iron giant, a tender portrait of an unlikely friendship with cold war era government agents circling. Everybody loves iron giant, even though it's an animation an animated movie. Um, the beautiful art style is perfect for a film which makes an enormous killing machine into a sweet and innocent friend. Yeah, through the eyes of an alien robot. Uh, the Iron Giant explores the depths of human emotion, but is also full of charming humor. It's a fun um, movie. I would recommend people go and watch it. So, or download it. You can buy it now, pretty much anywhere. Um, okay, so let's go on to the next article. I won't do any transitions. We'll just keep on churning through this real quick now. Um, the first, uh, the, the next article is in continuity report. Sorry about that. AI. I'm kind of jumping around after Argyle bombs. Can Apple keep spending $200 million on big screen gambles? This is a, an I would interesting, say yes. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting piece because, uh, Rebecca Rubin over at variety.com, uh, makes the statement it's gonna, that it, implying that it's going to go bust, but I don't know. I think they may have actually done enough uh, social based marketing, you know, not it. There's some serious questions that people are asking about the nature of Argyle. Um, and at the end of the movie or at the end of the trailer, you don't even know who Argyle really is because you think it might be the cat. You think that it might be one of the agents. You don't know who it is. So Apple spared no expense with its embrace of movie theaters, shelling out $200 million to produce historical epics, war dramas, and action comedies, all while the global box office contracts and rivals scramble to tighten their budgets. For most studios, these expenditures would be ruinous at a time when hardly any movie is earning enough money to justify the kind of budget. But that's not what Apple is trying to do. Apple is loading up movie after movie show after show to pull people into apple tv that's it's the service and the ecosystem that everybody's going to get pulled into after the big uh, that's a big question so they say um after it fails can they keep on doing this they also ask um as one of the deepest pocketed companies in the world though apple spending habits in, in the entertainment space are jokingly called rounding errors but can the tech behemoth keep spending big on big screen misfires? I'm not sure what misfires they're talking about, though. Or will a string of underperforming... I feel like Argyle is getting just skewered. 
is it? Because it, it says it bombed in its debut. That's the big question after Matthew Vaughn's spy thriller Argyle bombed in its debut with 18 million domestically and a disastrous 35 million globally. It's the third consecutive Apple release where an outsized budget will make it nearly impossible for the movie to turn a profit in its theatrical run. Except that it's going to draw people into Apple. Look, people who are on Apple TV are waiting for it to appear in Apple TV. So this is actually kind of, this might be juice before a real squeeze takes place. Um, although they probably would have preferred Argyle to be successful in the box office. I, there, it may have gone in so many different directions because I haven't actually seen it yet. I'm waiting for it to come to Apple. Right. But they say that it's uh, the outsized budget will make nearly impossible for the movie to turn a profit in the theatrical run. The film of this size and scale at a traditional studio would need at least 500 million globally to break even. Fewer than 10 films in 2022 and 2023 have reached those heights. That's why I think that it's not about just the movie theaters. In an especially unlikely benchmark for Argyle since the comedy action, action comedy, sorry, I flipped that. Starring Bryce Dallas Howard is, uh, or as a reclusive author whose spy novels end up being oddly prescient. So yeah, it says, instead of fulfilling Vaughn's plans to turn the story into a trilogy, Argyle is shaping up to be this year's first flop, or it's gonna go straight to Apple and draw people in to get the next two. Well, that's true. And are the viewers different demographics who are watching on Apple versus in the theater? Maybe. Yep. Then they bring in the other two, Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon. Um. I've actually seen Napoleon sitting there waiting for me to watch it, but I'm not interested in Napoleon. I know how it ends. Um, and I'm not really interested <laughs> in Napoleon, right? <clears throat> I learned enough in college and in uh, high school that I'm like, okay, that, there's Napoleon. Um, so this is kind of niche to me. I'm surprised it made 219 million. And I haven't seen Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon yet. And it's only made 156 million. So that's a problem given the studio split ticket sales with the theaters. On top of that, Apple is or has to shoulder tens of millions in promotional costs as well as distribution fees to Sony, Universal, other companies. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think um, that it's a problem because I think what it's doing is it's adding to the array of services that Apple is. It's all long tail, you know. Sure, they're making hand over fist on their technology, but all of the services is juice. Nothing but juice. Right. As long as they don't lose money on it, I think they're going to keep making it, making yep. these. Plus, anything like this is just a way to just say, hey, come look at us over here on Apple. It's marketing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the article, they say we're looking at a small sample size of three movies in six months, says Sean Robbins, the chief analyst at Box Office Pro. Apple has such deep pockets that it can continue to invest until it finds the model that works, even if it's doing it at a loss. I don't know. I think it's bigger than that. Um, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Smack Talk. Apple TV Plus teases a dozen new original TV shows coming. And this is not everything is Apple like last uh, 
actually the last episode wasn't all Apple, but there's a lot of stuff that's being talked about right now about Apple. And this is what I well, and they're actually, coming out with a lot of original programming. So. Yeah, exactly, and that's why I wanted to tie them all together. Uh, although I'm referring to Argyle as bomb guile because the implication is that it's going to bomb, like totally bomb. Um, Apple TV Plus teases a dozen new original TV shows coming soon. It's all about the library. It's all about the ecosystem. Everybody's staying entrenched in it. Um, the new series announcements include the new look, Sugar, Franklin, Lady in the Lake, Presumed Innocent, Constellation Manhunt, The Dynasty, New England Patriots, Dark Matter, Palm Royale, The Completely Made Up Adventures of Dick Turpin, which I've seen. <laughs> this is a pirate. Right, movie. we saw a trailer for that. Yeah, yeah. In the Land of Women. I'm not sure where that is. Uh, I'll I'll see you later. Sorry, I need to send something. Okay, so the link sends me over to. Oh wait, one second. Let me throw this into. Uh, oh wait, it's there. Sorry, man, I'm like all over the place. Hey, one <laughs> of these I recognize. Uh, it looks like it's from Scott Rowe. Uh, presumed innocent so that'll be interesting if they're turning it into a uh, show years after the book oh really well well let's talk about it um benjamin mayo is the author over at nine to five mac.com and yeah so it says first up the new look in february 14th and then on march 1st the completely made up adventures and then april colin farrell stars in the new take of private detective story sugar kicks off with its three episodes on april 5th and then Dark Matter, a sci-fi thriller, which I swear has already been in existence. Based on I think it's reminding me of the, um, there's another sci-fi or fantasy show that has a similar name, I think. And it's Black, reminding Black me Mirror. of that. Black Mirror. No? No, it's not that one. I thought that. It's the Dark one Matter where they had the spirit animals. Oh, his Dark Materials. That's the one that the name is reminding me of. Gotcha. So, um, so what is the one that you were talking about? What's it called? Presumed Innocent. I assume it's after the Scott Tarot. Um, it's a legal thriller. Interesting. Okay. So do you see it? I don't see it on here. Yeah, it's down here in May. It looks like. Right oh, there. presumed innocent there we go yeah okay so let's see based on the esteemed fiction by well dark sorry the thriller dark matter it's just all ju Joel jumbled Edgar. together so it doesn't yeah. really tell us uh then it says jake gyllenhaal uh leads a new eight-part limited series presumed innocent beginning in june in bilingual english and spanish drama land of women spearheaded by ava longoria in the lead role and will also premiere in the summer um, and then they talk about others. And that's really all this article is. It's just a rundown of when it's going to drop. There's more. The minutia is there. Um, so definitely follow the link. And uh, we'll talk about it again as time goes on. Uh, the next article is over in the continuity report as well. Will Travis Kelsey propose 10 wacky Taylor Swift Super Bowl bets gambling sites are actually taking? 
the, the I have to explain why I chose this. It's entirely because of the the entertainment value of these Super Bowl bets. I would n- never really care that gambling sites are taking any of this, but it's Super Bowl bets. And it's not even about the football game. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's why it's so spectacular. It's Super Bowl bets about Taylor Swift, not even the Super Bowl. So Todd Spangler is the author over at Variety. Um, and there is Taylor Swift and the boyfriend of Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. Uh, Swift no, no, no. Grammys. That's at the last um, game where oh. the Chiefs won sorry. in yeah. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. That, that, it's not at the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. We're not in our time machine. So. Uh, Swift made Grammy's history Sunday after Midnight's one album of the year, her record-setting fourth win in the category. She also announced her next studio album, The Tortured Poets Department. Now attention turns to the superb owl, Taylor's version. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That is really hilarious. Yeah, that's in the article, by the way. You know, that's so true, though, and it's just buried in this article. I hope somebody puts that in a headline somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's really funny. Gambling sites are looking to capitalize on the buzz about Swift's probable Super Bowl appearance and with a series of prop bets, which refers to side wagers unrelated to the game itself. One of the most burning questions, will Taylor Swift actually be able to make it to Vegas from her February 10th tour date in Tokyo? According to the math, she can. And Do you want to know the answer to that one? That's actually been reported today. Really? She made it. She made it. Well, there's a time zone difference, and she already landed, I think, in L.A., and then is headed over to the game. Yeah. Yeah, there were some people that were poo-pooing a 30-minute flight versus a... No, it was a 20-minute flight versus a 32-minute drive, and that her plane pumped out all of this carbon and all of this stuff, right? And I'm going, you don't understand. It may be 22 minutes, but when you try to get from one place to another and you are taylor swift it isn't like you just hop over there because some numbnuts is gonna cut you off or slow you down or whatever to get a picture blah 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 you know that's why i think a lot of this stuff should be illegal you know hunting people down to take a picture of them or using a 5000 millimeter telescopic lens to sit there and catch you while you're sunbathing in your backyard you should have some expectation of privacy, but hey, whatever. Typically, gambling sites limit prop bets to a maximum of $100 to $250 to guard against bad actors, per New York Times. Apparently, Americans are projected to bet $1.3 billion on Superb Owl 58, which would be up nearly 20% from last year, which kind of shows you uh, inflation. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe the bets just cost more. (laughs) (laughs) According to ESPN, no major U.S. sports books are offering prop wagers uh, specifically related to Swift and the Super Bowl because most state gambling regulators prohibit such uh, subjective bets. To place such prop bets, Americans would need to turn to online sports books based on outside the country. So here are 10. Will Travis Kelsey propose... Will Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift announce their first pregnancy? (laughs) They say yes, plus 850. Really? 
um, the Taylor Swift proposal on the field. Yes, 1060. No, three negative 3000. There's no way in hell he's going to propose on the field. No, but people like the idea of it. <laughs> it's absurd. It is absurd. If you want to have a song written about you by Taylor Swift, you freaking propose on the field of the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's how you end a relationship with Taylor Swift. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, if that's Taylor Swift, she's not going to expect an on-the-field proposal. <laughs> exactly. Give me a break, man. I'm surprised if anybody proposes to Taylor Swift, it better involve, I don't know, another solar system being gifted to her. <laughs> exactly. Like, think of the scale it's <laughs> going to have to be at. <laughs> There's no way in hell. Oh, here, before I uh, get too far into that top 10, there's the link uh, to the list. So uh, Taylor Swift be uh, will Taylor Swift be seen crying if Kansas City Chiefs lose Super Bowl 58 plus 600 yes. Yeah, I will. Will Taylor Swift endorse a presidential candidate? Uh 1000 plus 1000. I don't know. They don't uh, it says I think it's a yes there. It says plus 1000 yes, but that's, yeah, that's so long. Um yeah, will uh, another presidential candidate mention Swift on another website? No. Some say yes. How many times will Taylor Swift be shown on camera during the CBS Super Bowl telecast? Over 5.5 times is down 140. Less than 5.5 is even money. That's How are you hilarious. shown at a 0.5? <laughs> Does it yeah. show like your left or your right side? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Will Taylor Swift be seen mouthing a curse word during the CBS Super Bowl <laughs> telecast? I know why that is, right? That was from a previous game. Yeah, yeah. And she got flack about it, too. Will Taylor Swift's navel be shown on CBS? Yes or no? Well, I guess it depends on what the weather is. Uh, yeah, I guess. What is the weather? Taylor Swift uh, lipstick color at Super Bowl. Is it going to be red? Negative 1,800. Uh, any other color? Plus 700 any other color so if it's gonna be red it... i mean she almost always wears red yeah. today oh it looks like it's not very warm in las vegas yeah but she's gonna be in a box so I that's think... true that's true uh which will have more diamond carrots taylor swift engagement ring <laughs> negative okay 10, i like 000. that one <laughs> chief super bowl ring plus 1400 so <laughs> Uh, odds with a plus sign are less probable outcome um, with the number indicating payout for a $100 bet. Odds with a negative sign are more likely and indicate the wager amount needed to win $100. So, yeah, you're not winning anything. I mean, it's those are fun just because it's so much hubbub that it have nothing to do with the game. Nothing. Uh, the next article is over in the continuity report. House of Marley announces new limited edition One Love turntable. Here's how to get one online. The release of Bob Marley One Love in theaters later this month. House of Marley, in collaboration with the Marley family, is releasing a limited edition turntable on Wednesday. It's priced at $250. The House of Marley Stir It Up wireless One Love turntable is made from solid bamboo crafted plinth with um, recycled plastic. 
Now, this doesn't necessarily sound like continuity report, except it is tied to a show. To a movie. Right? Yeah. So it's a eco-friendly Bluetooth enabled turntable celebrates the release of Bob Marley One Love biopic or biopic. Um, 250 bucks. I don't know. You want a piece of history from the house of Marley? You know I mean, what that there reminds probably me aren't going to be that many of them. This was the Bob Marley. This looks like the Bob Marley day concert shirt. It does look like that. Huh? I wonder. You'll have to find that. So it's built with a preamp included while it's also Bluetooth compatible to play your favorite vinyl records on just about any modern wireless speaker system. Um, meanwhile, there's also 250 of these turntables available for purchase, a so limited supply. And if you're interested, go and get it now. Who knows? I don't know how fast it'll disappear. If you get both of them. Probably the first day, I'm guessing. Yeah. Get together duo Bluetooth bookshelf speakers from house of marley as well wow they got a lot of stuff oh yeah they've got like a whole line i guess yeah sustainable products too it looks like there's elements within each of these that are sustainable um bamboo if you've never been told this grows like a weed and um, i know of one story where a person really didn't like their neighbor and planted bamboo in the back fence and it just kept on growing into the other person's yard okay that's kind of funny <laughs> rude not very nice but funny. not nice yeah a-hole neighbor uh the next article is over in the continuity report oh wait did i not throw it i didn't throw it i'm sorry i'll never get it right um there is the oops there is the link um, the next article is over in the continuity report, 10 great genre bending Western movies. Western movies have always seen many iterations over the years, including many films that have mixed it with other genres. The Western genre is essential to American pop culture and film history and its golden age of heroic cowboys, gunslingers, and lawmen from the 1940s through the 1960s. However, the style of Western significantly evolved, reflecting cultural changes and, uh, awareness. The spaghetti westerns of Sergio Leone in the 60s popularized the subgenre, exploring more violent anti-hero-like characters. In the 70s, the revisionist western subgenre began exper- examining the, the history of the West uh, with a more grounded, self-reflective perspective. So these 10, did you want to say something? Yes, uh, I read it too quickly and I thought it said Sierra Leone and I was very confused and then I realized it was Sergio Leone and that made more sense. <laughs> nope. Sierra Leone is now making Westerns. I mean, I'm like, okay, I've heard everything now. I've heard Stranger Things. Yeah, this is enough internet for me. From No Country for Old Men to Brokeback Mountain to Logan. These films used classic Western elements and blended them for other genres. Charles Papadopoulos over at uh, Screen Rant put this article together. And um, they always have a summary, but I'm just going to skip this and jump down to Bone Tomahawk 2015. I've heard rarely good things about this, but I bought it and haven't watched it. (laughs) I love modern Westerns, by the way. So like 2015 is um, probably one of my further back ones. Uh, Like I've watched older Westerns, but I don't own them. Uh, 2015 is actually not bad. No Country for Old Men. 
Um, I've watched portions of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. It's from 2007. This guy creeps me the hell out. Creeps me out. That scene just freaks me out. I'm really sorry. In fact, we just saw that featured as um, like good actors uh, yeah. portraying, or excuse me, good acting where they were portraying villains. Yep. And um, yeah, I don't know if I actually want to end up watching that with the AI, but we'll see. Um, Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, right? That's Cimarron. 2002 animated never seen it near dark 1987 um the, okay so i have to go back to the uh, spirit stallion of the cimarron is one of the best horse movies of all time okay i didn't know there was a genre of horse movies yeah but now hans, i know what one of the best is hans zimmer scored this are you kidding me Spirit explores ideas that are about untamed wilderness and American expanse with Hans Zimmer's score contributing emotional resonance to the film's narrative. I might end up watching this and crying simply because of the. <laughs> I didn't even know music. you could have a Western that was animated. Like I was surprised that was in the list. Uh, Near Dark, 1987. I guess anything can be, right? With enough twists and turns, you can make anything a Western, I suppose. Unconventional vampire movie near dark which blends its horror presence with the western genre i might have to watch this it's a road movie set in a neo-western setting akin to no country for old men but with vampires might have to watch that blazing saddles epic could never be made today unless basically the end of the world is about to arrive and it have like all kinds of disclaimers all over it now it does too. Even the one like it, the one that you bought today, um, I think, uh, would be modified. Older versions would be unmodified, uh, but nowadays, like if you buy it from Apple, I think it has warnings and stuff on it now. They the author here says that Mel Brooks' Blazing Saddles is not only a classic Western film; it's one of the best comedy movies of all time. It's epic in that it is just not apologetic about exposing racism. Uh, <laughs> in a, in society. I mean, it's so legit. Um, the fact that it couldn't be made, I don't know if it really, <sighs> I don't know. I'm disheartened by it because I think things should be said and things should be made to draw attention to it. Even if you have to be humorous about it, um, it should be met with a giggle and a, oh my God, this shouldn't exist. Um, because it did. And, and this does, you know, the, the way that people get treated in, in this movie truly existed. And, uh, these revisionists that are trying to control nowadays are trying to hide that <laughs> as if it didn't take place. And you're an idiot if you think that it didn't take place anyway. Um, so that's blazing saddles. Okay, Back to the Future Part 3, directed by Robert Zemeckis. This is the Western one where they go back in time and they actually, they make a temporal mistake. They save somebody that shouldn't be saved. That's um, right. And so I, I find it really interesting, but 
Uh, I'm really interested in time and time travel, science and science fiction of it. It's basically my marketing uh, phrase for temporology, which is another show on Omtown. Another channel. Another channel, yeah. I haven't started the show yet. I'm still gathering all the materials for it so that there's more than just four shows. But anyway, um, yeah, Back to the Future Part 3 is actually a really fun watch. has train robberies like they say in here, tropes like saloons showdowns i don't know if it's really a, a trope but it was real life um as well as a cinematic trope back to the future series right but in is, order to be a western right it has to show that almost that's right yep um and it has the whole western style of phrasing and and, and the way that people talk to each other it's actually a lot of fun um back to the future go watch all three of them so McCabe and Mrs. Miller, I haven't watched this, uh, notably revolutionized the Western genre, apparently. The classic film established precedents in the revisionist Western subgenre, which focused on a more grounded, realistic Wild West, as opposed to the almost mythological tales of gunslingers and bandits commonly depicted in the genre. I don't know if that's actually true as well, because if it wasn't true, why were was everybody walking around with guns all the time? If everything was so peaceful, you know? It was right, the, but I mean, if you went down the street on a normal day and nothing happened, right? Are the Western movies focused on, you know, the one day that everything went crazy? Right, right, right. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, you know. Um, and I've always thought there's always been this conflict between what people have told me and what I've read about the Wild West. And I've never read a modern historical discussions about how society acted in the wild west wild west i've been told that it wasn't as wild as people like cinema it's hard to know to. though right i mean we don't have right. any first-hand knowledge that's right and you know what time travel movies so let's do a well i mean mccabe and mrs miller actually apparently makes it more grounded in realistic wild west so i'm gonna have to watch it it's from 1971, but I've never seen it. So, yeah, Brokeback Mountain, um, 2005. Uh, Ang Lee's Brokeback Mountain is one of the most famous non-traditional westerns ever made. The film starred Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal explores the romance between two cowboys. Um, they say uh, some of the best revisionist westerns like Unforgiven examine more complex characters than the traditional western, but very few films have seen such uh, profound romance in a western setting. Yep, I can't quit you. Uh, 1995's Dead Man, directed by Jim Jarmusch. That actually looks pretty cool. I, I don't think I've seen this one either. I have not heard of that one. Yeah because um, this is, has Johnny Depp in it, mixes the Western genre with fantas fantastical elements. Dead Man has been described as an acid Western and a psychedelic Western known for its strange, profound subversion of the Western genre. Mystical elements make it one of the most fascinating. Gonna have to watch it. Then there's Logan 2017. Haven't seen that one either. Uh, given the immense popularity of superhero movies, Logan is, yeah superhero um oh, okay so director james mangold used his skill set uh, from the more conventional western 310 to yuma in his wolverine movie 
and Logan ended up being one of the most celebrated films in the genre. The film is a bleak, barren, dystopian society, and the film's violent tone resembles neo-Western film. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all of them. But there's more over here in the... I don't read the entire thing. I give a little snippet so I can tease you into going and showing some attention to Charles Papadopoulos and Screen Rant. Um, while we share some of it and give our perspective on the movies, um, many time we might miss a film, but we end up watching it and then we'll end up talking about it again. That's what this show is all about, the continuity report. Eventually we'll be doing shows that are about the movies that we watch and not about just the news, um, turning this into a, maybe every other um, week being about the news focused and then uh, maybe something interstitial or over on um, uh, Patreon where you get to interact uh, essentially watch a movie together and talk about it and stuff like that um, so there's we have plans uh, that the show isn't just news but when we're not streaming we end up doing stuff with a movie and talking about it anyway let's keep going uh, Geico takes famous gecko from TV ads to document digital documentary. The Geico gecko has been for years boosted the near ubiquitous insurance company uh, advertising. Now Geico, I almost said gecko. Uh, now Geico is doing something to boost him. Geico on Thursday will unveil, and that's last Thursday, Legend of the Lizard, a 15-minute documentary on the character's fictional childhood and origins, giving consumers new insight into the animated figure that has since 2000 urged viewers to get insurance. I hope that marketing person got well compensated, whoever dreamed up that character, right? I no. mean, it's completely associated with the company. If it's that, like the dude then created the first blue led he didn't get right jacked. i know right? brian steinberg over at variety put the article together um oh you know what i didn't do didn't do the last article into the show notes because i'm a bonehead i didn't do this one because i equally am a bonehead i mean the fact that their own kind of mascot is getting its own documentary i realize it's from the company is pretty astounding to me pretty amazing Geico on Thursday will unveil legend of the lizard so do they talk about the person because there's a person up here courtesy of Geico there's a person sitting uh, leaning against a wall with a statue of the gecko but uh do they say what the person's name is right away mm -mm. it used to be the Geico caveman that was replaced by the gecko let's see here if we can find it real quick I don't see anything. Huh. Yeah, I guess you're going to have to just watch that um, player, uh, the um, the little documentary about it. One reason the characters... Okay, David Hewlin, apparently, was the one who came up with it. Is that in this article? No, I had to find it through another source. Oh, wow. One reason the characters have seemed so durable is that Geico has worked with the same ad agency, Interpublic Groups, the Martin Agency, for 30 years. That means a single group has maintained the mascot's voice and look across decades. Geico seems to have more to say, says Burrell. We have such rich stories to continue to tell. 
What do you think's gonna come next? You, you had... mean like post Gecko? Yeah. I mean, I don't had... know. I think the Caveman was not good, so I think the Gecko was a great move for them. But right, who? What else did they have? Right, that's they... all they've had, I think. So wait, they mentioned another one. But is it from some other? Where's flow from? Is flow from progressive? Oh, okay, progressive. Those are the competitors. Gotcha. So Geico's only been around since 1959. So I'm sure they had something before the caveman. Yeah. So progressive flow, um, and an assemblage built around her. All states mayhem. That actually saved that this guy, the mayhem, the character that or the person, the actor that plays mayhem, like attributes his life to becoming mayhem because he said that he I think he said that he was like a rock bottom um, state farms, Jake and a horde of Adrian. <laughs> oh, really? Liberty, 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 Liberty. I don't think that's Jake. Uh, Liberty no, Mitch- I mean, Mutual. Because the yeah, Liberty yeah. Mutual, yeah. <laughs> Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. That guy basically has stolen it. So he's actually shown up in other uh, commercials for Liberty, Liberty. Um, and then uh, Farmers Insurance. Uh, the guy who does Farmers Insurance is a great actor, by the way. Um, what's his name? I can't remember his name. He's got a gun show on him, by the way. I mean, he he works out. He must work out, man. But like, he's he's like 70 years old or something like that. And like, looks like he could, Oh, I know who you mean. Yeah. Punch a hole right through a refrigerator. I know that sounds silly, but anyway, so can a documentary sustain Geico's creations against a well-populated field? Hell yes. I'm telling you that there's enough room for everybody, but Geico's gecko is bar none. I'd say the most well-known, but there's fan favorites. So go ahead. By the way, I had to look up because I thought, isn't this Geico? I think the funniest insurance commercial of all time is by Geico and it's called Spy. It's what you do. And it's like an action movie scene. Um, And I had to look it up. I didn't know the name of it, but (laughs) he's like running around a pool and his mom is calling on the phone. And it's just, it's really cute. Uh, We'll have to watch it. That would be great for this show, right? Um, oh, and so my funniest commercial that I've ever seen, the one that I think is most hilarious, at least to me, um, is the, the lobster one from UPS. (laughs) I agree. I was just talking about the insurance industry hands down. I I just, I love that scene. uh, That commercial is so funny. It's from FedEx, right? FedEx or UPS? It's FedEx. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess it really did a shit job of making me remember. <laughs> yeah, it's from 2006. It looks like FedEx. Smart. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Reality Hacker as well. This uh, 2024 superhero movie is almost certain to fail. Here's why. I don't even know what it is because we don't read the article beforehand. But I chose this because of that like inflammatory title 2023 had a share of comic book movie bombs and this upcoming movie will surely be 2024 super first superhero disaster at the box office and with critics 
I'm really curious what it I is. I just figured out what it might be. Jason Struss over at Digital Trends put the article together. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Okay, so it's a tough time for comic book movie fan right now. Um, after nearly 15 years of pop culture dominance, the genre finally hit a wall in 2023 with the once mighty MCU stumbling with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I liked it. I mean, it wasn't amazing. It was pretty bad, I think. And then wetting the bed with the Marvels, which just watching it, um, it was okay. Uh, there I thought were a... it was much better than expected based on the reviews. Yeah, but all throughout it, we were sitting there tearing it apart like, oh my God, why would they do this? Why would they do that? The latest terrible reception was nothing compared to the nonstop disaster that was Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which I thought was dumb. And The Flash, which I didn't like because of the actor. And Blue Beetle, because what? And Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, because that basically should have drowned itself each delivering progressively worse entries into a universe that had already been tossed out by its corporate owners. I agree. So what are they saying is going to be the worst? This one, I looked ahead, so I won't spoil it. But it seems like they're not getting to it very soon. <laughs> well, uh, it's not down later, is it? I thought it was up at the top in the first section. Really up here? So what is it? Okay. Sorry. Madam Webb. Where is it in this? I saw it in the table of contents. Oh, so it is. It's further down. Okay. Sony seems embarrassed that Madam Webb is about superheroes. Yeah. So it's like down here, right? Well, first off, they don't nobody... like who's who's in the lead, right? That's right. part of it. Maybe the dialogue is stupid. The, the the world building is kind of goofy from the commercials. I haven't seen it, yet, right? But the 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 trailers and commercials and marketing and stuff like that basically don't even name who Madam Web is or what the power really is. And honestly, them dropping Morbius in here basically just says, "Oh crap!" If this thing is on par with Morbius then you're basically up a creek. It says it suggests the movie is going to be less Spider-Man No Way Home and more Morbius. Yeah, if it's going to be like that, then this isn't even worth it. And it's not so much a, a superhero type of process. It's basically somebody that has observation skills, except that it's a future observation. They have the ability to see the near future. And it's treated as if it's not even like a spider sense, but they call it Madam Web because they see all of the connections between one event and another and stuff going on around them. Because at one point, Madam Web here, I think gets like punched in the face or something like that. And she goes, that's not how it works because she can see the future. I don't know. Every time I see something in DC, DCU, I always think that it's budget MCU <laughs> and I know I'm picking a fight and a side, but there's very few because it doesn't seem like DCU um, has the same. Well, I don't read the comics. It's the movies. They don't have the same skill and world building in the movies that they do over on the MCU side. 
So there's a, a whole continuity there that I really dig on the MCU side that DCU just doesn't do. So this whole article, it says uh, Madam Web is going to hit theaters in February 16th and three days later is going to be out on video. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I just I don't see it. Nothing draws well, like, me into Like who's going to go to the theater, right? Like who yeah. is she? Yeah, and it says her web connects them all. That's the problem with DC. It just seems to be in a vacuum. It's much like um, Ms. Marvel just kind of popped out of the woodwork and there wasn't that consistent messaging that Disney typically does, which is you introduce a character somewhere else and, and, and start marketing them and showing what they are somewhere else and then pop them out as their own show and that's not that's not really what happened with ms marvel and madam web is out of a vacuum just pops up madam web the on the mcu side um the house of uh what's her name oh the witch um, oh wow wanda yeah but um her i don't know what the name is so yeah uh, House of Harkness, that that is going to be spectacular because there was a tremendous amount of world building in history that was amplified by the series. And when House of Harkness comes out, man, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fan favorite, but it all depends on if they can catch that wave and, and build off of the world building. Um, okay, so the next article is over in the continuity report. 10 sports stars who became surprisingly good actors. I'm going to jump through this real quick here. Stephen Holland is the author over at ScreenRant.com. Um, athletes like Terry Crews, John Cena, David Bautista. So I didn't even know Terry Crews was an athlete before being an actor. Like, oh, I've yeah. only heard of him as an actor. Yeah. Um. Former NFL player Jim Brown left football at the height of his career to pursue acting, showcasing his talent and star power. Chuck Norris, known for his martial arts. Um, there's many, actually, martial artists that were um, action movie stars. I don't know about Chuck Norris really being a, you know. So I don't Terry think of him Cruz, as like a character actor. <laughs> um, Terry Crews was a football player for the Los Angeles Rams, San Diego Chargers, Washington Redskins, just to name a few. Cruz was a man of many hidden talents as he was supplementing his income painting commissioned portraits of his teammates via Jimmy Kimmel. After retiring from football in 97, he found acting and in the world of comedy because he is a very funny dude. Um, and uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he was funny in. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was awesome. So he had sitcom roles in Everyone Hates Chris and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, and memorable parts in White Chicks and Idiocracy. Yeah, yeah. I, wasn't he the president in Idiocracy? You, oh, no. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Huh. Okay. Then there's John Cena, former WWE wrestler. Uh, he was in the Marine, train wreck, Teenage Mutant Ninja, sorry, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Fast Axe. Let's keep going. Jave Batista. He was all over uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and then and he's Glass been Onion. showing up in Glass Onion, right? Yeah. yeah. They don't even mention it. Did you just say the exact same stuff yeah. that I'm saying? And you got to get out of my head. Blade Runner 2049, Dune, 
boy in the heron yeah he actually bounced out of guardians of the galaxy and and didn't want to be in the mcu anymore because he didn't want to be the same person and this was a big pain in the butt to do so i don't knock him for that um, but he um, plays a great raban in uh, dune so callie reese catch the fair one um, i haven't seen them in anything true detective no but true detective i'm seeing all over the place i don't i've never watched that i don't even know what it is no oh, really jim brown let's hustle through this chuck norris carl weathers um yeah unfortunately didn't didn't he pass away just recently yes like about a week ago yeah um yeah because he was um grief carga in um, the mandalorian and I guess uh, he's also well-known from Rocky and Predator, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what this scene is. This is this is Predator. Um, Jason Lee, professional. He was a former professional skateboarder. Okay, I can kind of see that. I didn't yeah. know that, but I know him from My Name is Earl. It's very fitting for My Name is Earl. <laughs> Video days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He was a former WWE um, wrestler. Then he wasn't, he did a great job in The Mummy Returns, Scorpion King. Um, yeah, pretty cool. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, he's been in a bunch of movies. Terminator, uh, True Lies, I think, was one of his standouts. Um, now he's in a Netflix series called Fubar, which, if you don't know anything about it, look it up. Okay, let's bounce to the next one. Our next and final article for today is in the Continuity Report. 20 movies like Ready Player One, everyone should see. Uh, the article... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did I not throw... Oh, my gosh. I didn't throw this in there. Did I throw that in there? No. Jeepers creepers. Mayor Watt, you are falling apart. I think it's because I'm, I'm rushing because I know that people are going to take off to... Um, super bow the yes the super <laughs> superb owl bow so colin mccormick and mia M mia peers uh, over at screen rant put this article together ready player one became a fan favorite for gamers sci-fi lovers and young adult readers and these similar movies should also tickle your fancy um let's hurry up so The Last Starfighter, if you've never heard of The Last Starfighter, it is a 1984 gem. Um, I actually dig it. I've watched it several times um, since 1984. Now, he, <laughs> the, the special effects are pretty practical. So if you're into that, you're into it. The digital graphics are very clunky, but you'll still enjoy the story. It's fun. Life 2.0. What draws people to virtual spaces and keeps them there? That's what this talks about. Um, the King of Kong, which is a documentary about the people who get the top score in Donkey Kong. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. That is coming back because of Wonka, the newest movie. Um, there was which a, is really good if you haven't seen it, the new yeah. one. Yeah, you know what? And it says, while 2023's Wonka surprised many people, the best Willy Wonka movie is still considered to be the first one. I don't know about that. Um, I like the second one, and I really liked uh, Wonka. 
Um, and I think Wonka is better than the second one, and I think the second one's better than the first one. In the third one, Snowpiercer really is the pinnacle of the Wonka trilogy, now quadrilogy. Uh, the Matrix. Hold on. The, what was the title of this? 20, 20 like Ready Player One. Everyone should see. Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know. Willy Wonka is like. Willy Wonka throws me off, but the others I agree with. The Matrix. Um, if you've never heard of the Matrix, basically, well, you have to watch it. Oh my god, world. you have to watch it because it's the whole thing that changed filmmaking with those slow movement action sequences, like people flipping and things. I mean, it all flows from that movie. Yeah, it, it's referred to as bullet time. And yeah, it's a, a, a cool array of 360 degree cameras. Um, and the cinematography makes it really amazing. Plus, if plus it's a good story and fun yeah, to watch, and it's, a, it's definitely a fun story. I don't know what happened with the Wachowskis' uh, lawsuit because there's there was a lawsuit about basically somebody else coming up with the idea and they took it. Um, but that's always hard to prove. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World. If you're if you dig video game inspired action love story, then this is definitely it. It's from 2010. It's fun. It's a fun watch. Um, don't think too hard about it. Michael Sarah plays an eponymous bass player who must battle a woman's evil ex-boyfriends in order to win her heart. And the movie's video game inspired quest is one of the greatest marriages of the mediums ever made. Um, although for me, anybody who makes me fight their evil ex-boyfriends is actually, they haven't gotten past their boyfriends. <laughs> so I'm not interested. Anyway, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? This is actually a really fun watch. The world where cartoon characters are real and this person got pulled into that. Um, well, wait, wait, I'm conflating two different animated Roger Rabbit-like movies, but um, cartoon characters are actually real and there's somebody that has the ability. They're immortal, but humans are not. Oh, okay. And so, hey, if By the way, the Wachowskis looks like that got dismissed nothing ever came of it gotcha thank you um so the uh this who framed roger rabbit is really great the compositing is really good it's a lot it's a fun watch um and if you're interested in this kind of thing um definitely go and watch it the story is really great it's by robert uh, zemeckis is the director um yeah from 1988 then there's gamer um convicts are used as real live video game avatars yeah, it's basically, um, what is that? Uh, Hunger Games? Um, or, oh, okay. Or not Demolition Man. There's another one where it's criminals that have to do a game to try and uh, be made free. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it as like an Iceman kind of a guy. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it. Anyway, never mind. We'll just move on and we'll talk about it later. Um, Rigsby Bear, I've never even heard of it. A young man recreates the television show from his childhood to give it an ending, because I guess it ended too soon. Society's growing inability to grow beyond the stage of childhood. That's what this is all about. One of the most interesting themes of Ready Player One is society's uh, growing inability to grow beyond the stage of childhood, which I don't think that's even... Do you think that that's part of Ready Player One? No, not even remotely. It's 
If anything in Ready Player One, it's society's inability to deal with the reality of life. And so they go into this because life is dystopian and everything takes place inside the oasis. Exactly. And then there's this theme about staying connected to people. Family. But I just don't see this. Yeah, that's a weird take. It hasn't, I don't think it has anything to do with growing beyond the stage of childhood. What a weird take. I'm sorry. Maybe we're missing something. How about Room 237, a documentary about the obsession over The Shining's biggest mysteries? That might actually be fun to watch, if not the AI. Um, the documentary Room 237 explores the way people have latched onto the movie and built elaborate theories about its meaning, references, and allegories, especially the mystery of The Shining's Room 237. Um I don't know if anybody, I mean, do people really, they don't really talk about it, right? That the, in the shining, the, the, um, the building, what the estate. Oh, it's the something hotel. I forgot. The hotel itself is sentient, right? I thought the hotel itself was sentient. So, uh, number 11 is Lita battle angel. Yes, I agree. Go watch this. It's awesome. I don't know how it ties into ready player one. I really don't see it. Um, other than, well, it, not oh, even in ready player the one. The shining shows up in the book. I don't remember if it was in the movie. The shining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, not in ready player one, there might've been elements from it in ready player one, but not in the book. There were, I just don't remember if they made it into the movie. Yeah, I don't remember maybe seeing the hotel. I don't know, but that's not why I even brought that up. Um, it was about the meaning references, allegories. They don't really talk about in um, in The Shining that the hotel is actually sentient. I mean, that's right, part right. of the, the whole allure. Um, and then um, Battle Angel that's real life there isn't anybody pretending to be anything they're all augmented humans so this isn't anything like ready player one but i think that you would like it tron legacy pacific rim um ender's game that one might be closest to (laughs) closest to um ready player one because ender and other children are, are conscripted to the military they play video games but they act the, the real actions are that they're they're really moving ships around the, the universe right i think that's probably the closest that i've seen in this list yeah divergent i don't know about that um because in ready player one they go into a virtual world to do their shenanigans but in divergent this is real life dystopian True, but they go into the simulation frequently in the movie. Oh, yeah, for their training and stuff like that. Yeah, Exactly. Plus, there's a whole thing about trying to basically solve um, the simulation for each of the factions. Gotcha. Yeah, and Divergent is the person that is divergent from the status quo of the historical referencing within the simulation. Assassin's Creed, you actually go into a, it says a prisoner is sent into a virtual reality world as a hired killer, but I don't think Assassin's Creed is that. They do time travel to reset things. Um, 
Maybe I'm wrong. I have to look at Assassin's Creed again. I mean, I played the game, but... Ready Player One draws from the love of video games, but that doesn't mean all of the video game ad adaptations have a similar feel. The main character basically enters the video game viewers have played. Really? I'm going to have to look at that again. Dune from 1984. I think you'll like it, but I don't think it has anything to do with... It says many references scattered throughout Ready Player One. Maybe... Oh, well, okay, because Ready Player One pulls like anything remotely connected with the 80s into it yeah sci-fi and tech and and 80s that's basically yeah it. i don't mean everything 80s i just mean like anything that was big i agree <laughs> from those genres but if that's the list i am so boggled by this because it can be anything from the 80s you're right jumanji welcome to the jungle 2017 um four heroes must escape a video game that's maybe but but it's voluntary you can get in and out of True, and I wouldn't have connected this movie to it, but I actually agree with it being on the list. But it's a very different film type, right? Like, it's all comedy. And and also, in Jumanji, they can't just turn, they can't disconnect. They're Correct. stuck in the game for life until they can find a way to escape and solve the game. Whereas in in uh, ready player one they're just in the game voluntarily to play the game to try and win the oasis correct um yeah valerian in the city of a thousand planets um it says adapted from a french comic series that maybe the only connection is that it's from having something to do with uh some prose written prose Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets is a is an awesome story, although the dynamic between these two is really wonky uh, because they're they're like romantically involved. But the 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 chemistry between these two is like me and my grandma, you know, I, I just there's nothing there. It's, it's so. Yeah, I know that you're there, that kind of a thing. Well, wait, you know, that's saying something mean about my grandma, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was giving yeah. i love my grandma <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah it's me and and dry white toast how about that the, the romance between me and dry white toast and i love bread but there's still nothing no chemistry here um watch and if you do some due diligence you find out that they've been married or something like that that would be hilarious anyway um they say uh entering the this vibrant and interesting sci-fi world is similar to Ready Player One sequences that take a, take the audience inside the Oasis, I suppose. There's a really cool scene where they enter an alternate reality um, called, what is it called? Uh, the Big Market. Um, when you put it on, these goggles on, it opens up a portal to another dimension. Um, and it's this huge planet um, shop that is hidden from everybody until you put on these special glasses. It's pretty cool. Uh, Mortal Engines, which I think uh, I loved Mortal Engines. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it says an underrated sci-fi gem. I agree. The world building was weak. Um, could have been so much more, could have been a series, but basically the way that it works is there's these giant roaming predator cities that go around and scoop up other um, cities. And everybody runs around trying to find resources and defend themselves from uh, attackers. It's kind of like um, Mad Max 
beyond Thunderdome where there's roving band, bands of societies that are like wiping out other societies. That's what happens in this. Um, but it's a young adult novel um, called Mortal Engines. And uh, I think that it's really cool. I don't know about the whole Ready Player One alignment. It says it captures the same sci-fi world building mixed with uh, the fight against corruption at the center of Ready Player One. I don't know. I guess. I think that's kind of a stretch. but Kind of a, a weak connection. But it is a very interesting movie. So I think I've seen most of these. <laughs> um, and I don't see the connection as, I guess, well-defined as the author of this. But um, I'm open up. I'm open for debate. At any rate, that's the last article for today's continuity report. Uh, we'll be back next week, next weekend, to talk about another 10 articles. So let's get back into the party bus. I know I'm running late. And um, I'll refresh it. Not sure what we'll end up getting, but... So yeah, there's a whole bunch of new articles. We won't even talk about this other than Taylor Swift has arrived at the Super Bowl with Blake Lively and Ice Spice. Well, I can Just sleep Just in tonight. case you were wondering. <laughs> I, I can sleep tonight. All right, that's it, folks. I am Merwat. That's hometown.com over there. And up there is the Sentient AI's visualizer. You want to say, we're Audi. Go watch the Super Bowl. Rowdy, go watch the superb owl telecast <laughs> and come we're, back tomorrow for the hometown daily and next weekend for another continuity report we're gonna go check out the super bowl what's that you say please marijuana don't ever say su super bowl is that okay bye <laughs> <laughs>